The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Pregnant ladies and little kids better get the hell out of the way because I'm running. I'm just, I'm like Forrest Gump, dude. I am running. So, the Titanic was the biggest ship on the ocean, but that didn't mean it was unsinkable. Okay. I want you each to use ombudsman in a sentence next week. I got one for you. My name is Kevin, the official ombudsman of the Podcast. You like apples? Here we go with another episode of the Just Press Play Pod. We got LJ and Pops. Oh, hey! I just want to go ahead and throw it out here. This is the official pod of Antonio Brown's feet, guys. What is going on? <laughs> I need a new helmet to, to, to be on this podcast. I, I'm going to retire if I don't get a new helmet for this podcast. <laughs> well, I will say that if you're going to use cryotherapy, make sure you have the right footwear before getting on it. Oh my god! And make sure <laughs> there's just a lot of problems with Antonio Brown's equipment, and I. We're gonna get into it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. You talking about um, his like equipment that's inside his brain, or like it's all, it's all, all problems. And you know, this is kind of a new thing because you remember Kevin. I know it probably OJ too. I was on Antonio Brown when he was like a rookie in preseason games. I thought, oh my god, this guy's great, and he was still good for like five years. Now he is ate up with some AB. Completely. Can I? Yeah, I mean who. Who would have thought, you know, the Raiders trading for him that this guy, Antonio Brown, he seems like he's such a great locker room guy and really just kind of quiet and goes with the flow, head down and go to work. And now all of a sudden this comes out. The Raiders could have never expected this to happen. Well, I will say, so I I think Kevin's being a little sarcastic. Uh, I think he's being very sarcastic. (laughs) I think we definitely need to write a letter of apology to Mike Tomlin, to any of us that said he wasn't uh, a fantastic coach. because. While he's not, no, 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 we're not, don't go there, Kevin. Do not go there. (laughs) Or should the letter of an apology be written to one Sir Ben Roethlisberger? I would say that Ben Roethlisberger is the only person that I've ever seen in the locker room trying to instigate Antonio Brown's crazy throughout his entire career. Maybe he was, maybe he was the innocent guy the whole time. I don't buy it. I don't buy it Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. Um. But I will say, like, I think, like, one of the things we forget about right now is that when he was drafted, he fell to the sixth round, right? Yeah. But it wasn't like he was some, like, unheard of talent. Like, like nobody knew that he was any good. It was just that he got kicked out of two colleges and the coaches that he currently had said, he's too much of a crazy locker room guy. You probably don't want him. And so that's why he fell to the sixth round. So it's not like this is, like, a brand new concept for Antonio Brown. So... Mm. Well, and we got a lot to get into. We got it, it, probably a, a football centric pod because I just feel like there's a lot going on with with training camp. Mid, training camp's midway through, and we got preseason really getting hot. And <clears throat> so we want to get into that. We want to get. I mean, Dak Prescott is he underpaid? Is he asking for too much? We'll, we'll probably touch. Of course, we got to touch on some Cowboys news. Of course, so yeah, we can just roll absolutely. <laughs> And then, and then we got some other stuff we want to hit towards the end. But let's go ahead and jump into the Antonio Brown stuff. Uh, 
By the way, we, I do want to preface this. We're going to talk about this whole helmet saga. And there's a new <laughs> thing I just read today that I, I can't wait to get y'all's uh, okay. reaction to. But the we're recording this as of Tuesday night. So the second episode of Hard Knocks is coming out tonight. They may or may not touch on the whole helmet stuff. I don't know if that would be on this week's or next week's. So if they do in some of this... Doesn't and, and we don't have the we don't react to it right away. Don't add us. We know we haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I mean, add us, but like say nice up. things. That's all I want. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the social media is is just nice things yeah. people say to each other. Right? Yeah, right. 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 Yeah, exactly. Mean. Absolutely. <laughs> so the Raiders traded for the best wide receiver in football. Well, after drama followed him. Chill. Is he not the best? According to that, Antonio Brown, he's the best. Well, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, but like you guys were just on uh, true, uh, true. Hopkins, Hopkins the other day. Julio. And then where's Julio? Well, we forget about Julio. Well, okay. So AJ Green, me. just because he got hurt. The Raiders. Well, AJ, the Raiders OBJ? traded for arguably okay. the best wide receiver in football. All right. I'm just okay. tired of this Raiders propaganda. Like, <laughs> and. Brown, I mean, it was after drama followed him in Pittsburgh, as we discussed, and maybe Mike Tomlin's sitting there with kicking his feet up, just going, yeah, I hope, I hope you're enjoying yourself. He's probably Tom. telling, uh, yeah, John Gruden, get you some of that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then Antonio Brown couldn't make it two weeks into training camp before he was first sidelined by frostbitten feet. And as we mentioned off the top, in case you didn't know, he sustained the burns getting into a cryotherapy machine with either... <laughs> No protective wear on his feet or the wrong protective wear on his feet? None the two. Not, I think it might be none, but there's some conflicting reports. And then if that wasn't enough, last Friday it comes out that A.B. is threatening to retire because the Raiders <laughs> would not let him wear a helmet that is no longer considered safe by not only the NFL, but the makers of the helmet itself. <laughs> what? It's not the Raiders, right? It's the NFL, isn't it? That's not. It's is it the Raiders? Well, so the Raiders won't. The, the, so there's this thing going. On, and correct me if I'm wrong. I was reading this long thread, and uh, basically the Raiders equipment guys won't let him wear this helmet because they're not allowed to let him wear. Like well, the I Raiders think, okay, will get in trouble if they the, let him wear the, this helmet. You're 100 percent right. I think the funniest thing about it is he snuck it up. Uh, apparently, two practices, he snuck this helmet out by painting it. A Raiders, <laughs> either with his people or him. All so, Dad. All I can picture is Antonio Brown with this helmet and like right, like drawing a Raiders on the yeah. side, and then and being there's clearly still a like, Steelers shaped sticker underneath it. <laughs> like it's like the Steelers, but he put the little things to it for the Raider thing and tried still to make got a yellow like, stripe down the middle. <laughs> and I could just see him walking into practice, or like. Antonio, you know, no, you still can't use that helmet. Well, and the funniest and I thing, just see him like dumping, like what, what? Apparently, he helmet. snuck into three practices with this helmet, and each time they caught him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the helmet he has been using, the helmet he has been using since his rookie year is a shut air advantage, and it is no longer approved by the NFL. Therefore, as we said, the equipment guys at Oakland won't wear him, won't let him wear it to practice. Brown then on Friday filed a grievance against the NFL saying he would walk away if he could not wear his <laughs> yeah, helmet. And, whatever. <laughs> and that, that, I think the guys, the, 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 the men and women at the NFL offices looked at that grievance like, oh, really? You're going to walk away? <laughs> From so how much money? Club. Yeah, Jesus. how much money is yeah. he making? $17 million or something a year or whatever? Jeez. Yeah, so, walk your ass away, AB. I dare you. I dare you. I double dog dare you. The NFL called his bluff, ruling against Brown in the grievance hearing. And then, of course, Antonio changed his tune on social media Monday when he tweeted at 
While I disagree with the arbitrator's decision, I'm working on getting back to full health and looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field. I'm excited about this season and appreciate all the concerns about my feet. Hashtag always a fight. Hashtag represent. Hashtag it's bigger than me. I I threw in the hashtags because... (laughs) It almost sounds like, because like he put in this big thing of how it's a huge deal, and like no other player made a big deal. Like they, at, try, they tried to go like eat. Now, like different media people were trying to go around like Julio Jones used to wear the same helmet, and they tried to get him to say something. He's like, uh, "Well, I was just told it's a safer helmet, so yeah. I thought that's probably smart." To I think wear. he said and, he said it's uncomfortable, but it's uh, fine. <laughs> yeah. What it, he said. So, but but his hashtags at the end always a fight. Hashtag represent. Hashtag it's bigger than me. I think. I'm all for it, and I think Antonio Brown, he was on LeBron James's The Shop at one point, and I think LeBron's big on this, you know, fighting for the player empowerment. You've clearly yeah. seen stuff in the NBA where they're trying to do this, and or or standing up for something that might be bigger than themselves, whether it's a yeah. social injustice like Colin Kaepernick or whatever it may be. Or contract disputes. I, I get that. I think Antonio Brown's getting it wrong. You don't always have to fight every single thing. I think Antonio Brown's like, oh, the NFL said I can't do this? Well, then I have to fight it because it's bigger than me. It's like, no, they're actually trying to help you. Yeah. I know it's not usually the NFL no, yeah, looking exactly. out for your best interest, but in this one, they are. They're trying, yeah. They're, yeah. They're trying they're to doing help their you. best, Thank but you. I don't know. But uh, And then he also, I think he complained that like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady wouldn't get the same treatment, but didn't they this year get asked to use different helmets and they both said, okay, fine. I, I think yes. that's right. Yep. Yes. <laughs> well, and so... Uh, they, I, I looked at what shut uh, the, the maker of this helmet. They they had to comment about it, and they basically they said, and I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit. But they said that we discontinued making the helmet three years ago because current technology had moved past the air advantage. It, the air advantage was the last varsity helmet made by shut that featured traditional foam padding. That material is now outdated, and they use something called TPU cushioning, which is thermoplastic urethane. Apparently, it's just a much better at cushioning. Uh, blows and absorbing contact. And they added that the air advantage had lived out its useful life as a product and was discontinued because something better was developed for those wearing the helmet. So Shut's basically like, yeah, we do not advocate for him to keep wearing this helmet. Yeah. There's a better helmet to put on. Yeah. And then this part is even more crazy. So he lost his grievance and then they were talking about it on PFF pro football talk with Mike Florio earlier today on Tuesday. Okay. And a reader from PFT quoted on there, or they came on there and said that they they had uh, realized that there was a a way that Antonio Brown could probably still wear his helmet, and that if he's able to find one due yeah, to okay. the, yeah. the the due to the contract with the National Operating Committee on Standards for Athletic Equipment, which is the acronym NOCSAE, who would have what that's what a, a long what a name. It just seems way too long for an acronym, but uh, yeah. <laughs> That defeats the purpose of the acronym. I mean, completely. We need an acronym for the acronym, for God's sake. This random NFL fan who just happened to be a commenter on Pro Football Talk commented and said, "If actually, if Antonio Brown's able to find a helmet that was manufactured after 2010, then he would be able to be using it since the the helmet was discontinued in 2011. Because they brought up, there's like, let's see, what is it? Basically, it's something about a 10-year thing. and it There's a 10-year deal, yeah. After 10 years, they won't certify a helmet to be safe after 10 years is what I saw. 
Yeah, so this person found this out, and apparently no one from Antonio Brown's crew, I mean, he has all this, while they're painting on this this Steelers helmet to be a Raiders helmet and trying to sneak it into practice, they figure out, oh, this random NFL fan's figured out more than we ever did because they actually looked through the damn contract and the fine print. And then Antonio Brown took to Twitter saying, I'm looking for a shut air advantage adult large helmet that was manufactured in 2010 or after. In exchange, I will trade a signed practice-worn Raiders helmet. Is that right? Now, if that Raiders helmet is the fake Raiders helmet, <laughs> I'm in. then my God, I'm going to so go find <laughs> yes. it. I just, would chip away just enough of the paint to show. That's what I would want. It just added more to the story that of Antonio Brown and them, like they realized they wanted to always a fight and represent and it's bigger than me, but then they really didn't even look into how can we fight this. They yeah. just raised a big stink on Twitter and said, I'm going to retire. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to yeah. quit. And it just pouting like a little yeah. kid and just... Well, and so I guess there's a little update. I don't know if you saw Kev, but he's apparently found a few 2010s, but he's still looking for a 2011. That's the one he really wants. So, so do you, is he really? Do you think how much do you really think then? Does he want this helmet and feel like he needs this helmet, or is it just he doesn't want it? He wants to fight the power. He thinks he's fighting the. Hierarchy. I think it's. Let's everybody look at me. He is just drawing Boom. attention That's to it. him. That's, That's all it. he's doing. That's yep. all he's doing. That's it. That's uh, the same reason he came into a camp on a helicopter last year. That's the same reason he came into a hot, hot air, air balloon, balloon this year. I, it's. I'm the more we're talking you, about Antonio Brown. He knows the cameras are on, so he's going to make anything happen because he knows he's going to be fine once the season starts. Nothing's when he heard change. Hard Knocks was going to do the Oakland Raiders, I'm telling you, the boy got aroused. I mean, yeah, he I, was physically <laughs> excited. He was I like, here wanna, is like, my chance. Up, I want to look up, did he like sign the contract before they announced that the Raiders were doing Hard Knocks? Because if not, I think I know what sold him, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that'd, be a hell of a, that'd be a hell of a negotiation. John Gruden walks in and like, look, we can't pay you what you want, but... But we're, we're Hard Knocks. Hard knocks. Deal. Like, oh, Deal. I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> Because Antonio Brown <laughs> loves him some him. Yeah, That's what he does. He's TO 2.0. There's no doubt about it. Why? Why do receivers just seem to love? Because you were kind of you were kind of uh, uh, referencing an old TO quote yeah. there, Terrell Owens back in the. I love me some me. <laughs> but why does it seem like it's receivers that they're the are most the divas. divas? They're the biggest divas of any position in sports. And, and not seems. all. And not all. You have guys like Julio Jones, who I honestly don't know what his voice sounds like. I don't <laughs> right. never. And you have Calvin Johnson, who he might be the best receiver I've ever watched play. Too. I don't know what his voice sounds like. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't make a big stink, and he just now finally got a good quarterback for the first time in his career. But for the most part, receivers seem like they're just loose cannons. One of the things to throw about Julio Jones, though, is he's not, I don't think he's going to a single camp all offseason long. And he also practices maybe one day a week in the in the current season. Like, he is a bit, I wouldn't say he's diva-ish, but he does but take his... But it's not his, like this where he's going to Twitter yeah, or no, he's definitely. making this big stink. Like, like, like Dad said, where Antonio Brown just likes Antonio Brown's name yeah. in the headline. Yeah. I don't. I think Julio Jones wants to be paid adequately, but he doesn't care if he's in the headline or not. Mm-hmm. He, he really just wants to play football and get paid what he feels he deserves. I agree. I agree 100%. But it does I, – I don't know why. It just seems like receivers. I know I've heard – who was it? Maybe it was Teddy Bruschi. Someone I've heard talk about on ESPN or somewhere, on, maybe on Twitter, and they just said the further you get away from the football, the more the diva is. Like from the center, <laughs> there, it's no diva at center. Yeah. And then left tackle, a little bit more tied in, a little bit more. And then once you get receiver out there by the sideline, I mean, it's all bets are off. It's you know just, what? Okay, I got a theory. Just crack crackpot theory came into my head right now, based on what you're saying. My favorite kind of theory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's uh, so. I think the reason might be because uh, Antonio Brown's uh, career is completely based on whether or not somebody's willing to throw him a ball. 
Am I right? Right. Yeah. If no one's throwing him a pass, then it doesn't matter how good he is. It'll never matter how good he is. He's got to be throwing the ball. And so if he doesn't make enough noise, then I think like receivers might get afraid. I think in high school, you're taught as a receiver, if you don't yell at your quarterback for not throwing it to you enough, then you're going to probably not get thrown the ball every single passing play. Right. So uh, a running back's going to get the ball. It's no big so deal. It's, kind of, a, it's it. kind of a squeaky wheel gets the grease. So you think, think this is a degree. learned response? LJ, I do. Yeah, I think it, that's that's my in the second theory. Yeah. Um, because I feel like, of course, uh, a great wide receiver need like you're so dependent on somebody else to do their job for you to even have a chance. And that would be counterproductive for me because I would be like STFU. I'm not throwing you jack crap. I mean, that would get on my nerves. Yeah, Good well, life. but you know what else a competitive person might do is they might throw you the ball to say shut up. Like, see, you drop that pass. Which I think you keep which, dropping which this probably pass. Probably is what Ben Roethlisberger did at the Steelers a lot, and then he kind of was like, "Well, shit, this guy is pretty. He might be. He an does idiot. keep it catching parts, it, but he is good at football. Yeah, so I have I to. I mean, keep he is good, no doubt. Yeah." I think like the competitive nature of an athlete says, I'm going to show you on the field why you got to shut the hell up. And a wide receiver that's really good is going to make you regret doing that because you're just going to have to keep throwing him the damn ball instead of (laughs) doing what you want to do and and diagnosing plays from the quarterback position or doing what you want to do as a coach and trying to come up with engaging, interesting plays instead of, I don't know, A-B go deep. Sure. Well... Fair point. You know, every single week, there's. I mean, we got a bu- Antonio Brown, like like we talked about before. We got uh, new faces in new places, and every single week we get a new Antonio Brown headline. And who knows what it'll be next week? But one thing that doesn't change is where you got to put your money down if yeah. you're betting on any of these players or games. And that is my bookie. My That's bookie it? is the place to bet on football every single weekend. My bookie has better bonuses, more prop bets than any other sports book. Period. And this year. They're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. And if you're going to join my bookie and you want to get in on some of this wagering and some of the fun, make sure you let them know that you were sent by the JPP pod and put in the promo code JPP. Earn a bonus for in free bets once you sign up. I mean, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and and my bookie's always been that they you win they, a lot of money. Easy. You you gamble. Well, no, <laughs> they just make good. it really. They <laughs> make fair. it really easy for me to to put my money down. Like I never get on there. And I'm like, how do I? I just want to bet on the damn Cowboys yeah. again for the seventeenth week in a row. They fairly Why take can't your I money. Do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I put Dak for MVP? What's wrong with this? That my bookie's never been that. They just make it easy. I get on there. You can, and there are all kinds of bets. Really, like whether you're going with the spread, if you want to go fantasy football bets, where you want to say over under Ezekiel Elliott gets this many points, and it's not just NFL. It's NBA. It's boxing. It's it's UFC. It's hell. They even have some like reality TV stuff on there. They got all kinds of stuff. Just get on there. Go to my bookie. That's M Y B O O K I E dot A G. And put in the promo code JPP when creating your account to let them know that you sent us and claim a little bonus. And bet some money, win some money, and get paid. It's that easy. That's it. Um, Before we leave the Antonio Brown stuff, did you guys see what Cliff Kingsbury, he was asked about some of this stuff. Did you see what his response was by any chance? I don't no, guess, I no. So he was doing a radio hit in Arizona, uh, and he was asked if he had ever had a helmet that he would consider leaving the game of football for. And he answered, quote, 
I haven't met a woman I would consider leaving the game for, much less a helmet. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good clip. You could have made a dig at somebody who's like, I'm not going to make a dig, but it's still a funny little comment. Oh, I thought that man. was pretty good by old, old Kingsbury. You know, so can like before we leave AB totally, I did want to respond to something I saw on Hard Knocks this last week. Again, we've only seen week one. Um, but did you guys see where he had to explain to his kids that Ben Roethlisberger isn't his quarterback anymore? Yeah. <laughs> that was just too much. That was just too much. I was into he was like, it. No, we don't have Ben anymore. We got Derek Carr. I it's, swear he called him Derek Carter. I don't think he yeah, called him the right name. I think name. you're right. I think you're right. I, li- I, I like think- when the dude asked Derek Carr, hey, dude, did you oil up your arms? I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. You oiled he up did, your though. arms, It did Derek. look like there was some tannin on his arms. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do we think about – uh, this could be a little outdated, but I'm sure they're going to keep doing it uh, for this week's episode. But it does seem like that this whole Hard Knocks, at least the first episode, was a big press tour for for Derek Carr. Like it was like, yeah. A, oh yeah, we need to show he's our franchise guy. He's a good guy. He's a good dad. Yeah. He's a he's a hard nosed football. He was trying player. to educate what's his name on how to say Salmon. Yeah, <laughs> and. The, and it was like the thing where, where he's talking about Antonio Brown. I loved it where he was like, yeah, we're actually really good friends. We met at the, the Pro Bowl. Yeah. I threw him a deep ball. It's like, well, I don't think – he just knew – he didn't even know for sure your name still, I don't think. And I don't <laughs> think they were friends just because he connected with them on one deep yeah. ball. He just happened to throw it deep one time, and Antonio Brown's a good receiver and caught it. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're friends. It right, just right. means you all know each other. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was funny. And I like the episode. I, I don't think we're actually going to get much – and I could be totally wrong. I don't think we're going to get a lot of this Antonio Brown helmet saga because I don't think the Raiders want this out. This is only getting out because Antonio Brown let it out. I think if I, HBO doesn't show it, then like they're going to look pretty stupid, though, right? Like I feel like they've got to explore this. This they did. I mean, because he had feet injuries at the beginning of episode yeah. one, and they didn't ever say what they were about, even though that would have been really great fun drama. I know that would have been so, great if they. Would, but I think maybe the NFL or maybe because the Raiders you might get be right. like last. They get last call on what all gets on there. Like, John Gruden's not going to let him say stuff, like, quote him on something he doesn't want out there. So I wonder if, like, they're like, let's not mention how Antonio Brown hurt his feet. Let's just mention that he has blisters. I mean, I think you're right. It just also seems like if HBO doesn't air this helmet stuff, then they're going to look so stupid. Like, Yeah, I, feel like I agree. I'd be upset if we don't get anything about this helmet stuff on Hard Knocks. Of all yeah. places, like, Hard Knocks is great about, God. If as they soon get, as you see something in the headlines, you're like, oh, I can't wait for this on Tuesday it, night. If they get a, a picture of his finger-painted helmet, I think, like, that's worth a oh. trillion dollars because no one's seen this thing yet. It might be immaculate. It might look exactly like, or it could be, like, uh, the worst-looking helmet you've ever seen in your life. And we might, you know, HBO's the person that's got that footage. So, <laughs> Well, I can already tell. I don't, I don't know if this will get edited out, but I can already tell your girl Pocket. Yeah, I got to go check. I got to go check. on. She's in quick. total agreement. She's yeah. like, we better see the damn helmet. I, know. I, was, I think Hannah might be home, but let me go check on it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I turned on Bob Ross for her. I think she's okay. Ooh, well, you got, I kind of want to go watch Bob Ross. <laughs> can we get sponsored uh, by the Bob Ross family? Because that'd be the ad read I want to make. That would be great. Did you know Bob Ross didn't get paid like hardly anything for any of those shows? I he believe just used it. it as that. It was just advertisement for him and his painting because he was like, I can knock out. He would knock out like 10 shows in a day. Yeah. And so like a season in a day. Yeah. And then and then film like a scene where he's petting a deer once every 10 episodes or so. <laughs> well, and and well, every now and then his squirrel would make it on the episode. Yeah. His yeah. squirrels were. Dude was living the life. As long as he could pay his bills. That's all he wanted. So, I what a Who man. Thought, I never would have thought we'd get into Bob Ross talk today, but <laughs> here, here we are. <laughs> all right. Well, 
We talked to, we talked about Antonio Brown, and that, that's a guy who has gotten paid. He, he figured out his stuff with Steelers, got traded, and got paid from the Raiders. Now I want to talk about a guy who is looking to get paid, which I, I, is, I guess everybody on the Cowboys is looking to get paid. And, and that's, yeah. that's old Dak Prescott. That's the quarterback of, of America's team. And the report came out on Monday that Dak reportedly turned down an annual $30 million a year and is looking for something closer in the $40 million a year range per the athletics. So first, I just want to start with Dad, thoughts. $40 million for Dak? Is he insane? Is yes. he right? Yes, What's he's insane. On? But he's throwing out $40 million in hopes of getting up from 30 And, you know, the going rate for quarterbacks, it is ridiculous. He's going to get a little over $30 million. I think they're going to settle out somewhere around 32 Isn't that what Carson Wentz made? I think Carson exactly Wentz got right. paid about $32 million. Yep. I think that's probably where they settle out with Dak. Um, actually, I looked at something, and y'all probably did too, where they compared – uh, Dak's stats to Carson Wentz's stats, and on a per game basis, he looks better. Quite frankly, yeah, I got I got a table here. Like, I mean, as far as if you compare Dak to Wentz, I'm and I'm not saying one's better than the other. I, I if for one game, I'm not saying I'm choosing Dak over Wentz, but there are some stats that would make you. That would that would at least lend to Dak saying, "Look, I should be getting paid as much as my division." I mean, I'd rival. say LJ, you look like you had something. Well, I'd just say neither of them are uh, Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles, so I'm just throwing that out. That there. is true. But well, now I, Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl the, winner. Uh, well, oh, we Russell Wilson. We hadn't even talked about Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. that was that well, was on my list. So let's get into and what's going on with the Cowboys. And if they would have, and I'm not saying they should have, but if they would have offered Dak thirty million dollars six months ago. They probably would have got that deal done. That Dak would have been ecstatic with that. But earlier this year, the quarterback market got reset when Russell Wilson signed a four-year, one hundred and forty million dollar deal with one hundred and seven guaranteed in April. Yeah, that is good for thirty-five million a year. Then Wentz, a little bit later, signed a four-year, one hundred and twenty-eight million dollar deal that quietly exceeded Wilson's guaranteed money amount by just under a million dollars. So the the mm-hmm. guaranteed was a little more, but still, we're getting at uh, Wentz is right around thirty two million a year, and Wilson's thirty five. So if I'm if I'm Dak, you know, Wentz is the quarterback in your on your division rival, in which head to head, Dak's three and one against Carson Wentz. Dak has two division titles. Wentz has one. Dad already mentioned some of the quarterback rating completion percentage. Uh, Dak's better. Game-winning drives, Dak's better. So I, And games missed, Dak's not missed a single game, and Wentz has missed eight. So if I am him and his agent, I think 32 is where I'm starting. And I, why not throw Why not throw 40 out there and see what happens? I don't I think mean, it's that crazy. That's what he's throwing 40 out there. But if he gets 32, maybe 33, he needs to sign as fast the, as he can. Because at the end of the day, Dak, I, 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 sure, I think as an athlete, probably have to assume you're like you you have this chip on show that you're the best or whatever but at, at the end of the day if you're his agent walking in you're you understand if you don't get paid more than russell wilson russell wilson's one of surf boys more accomplished better quarterback than dak but you might go in there I, I don't think you're that out of line if you say i want to get paid between those two i think i'm somewhere in between these and that's sitting at thirty three to thirty four million dollars a year, which just blows my mind. Blows that my that mind. Could, yes. That could be signing a four year, one hundred and thirty five million dollar deal, and honestly, that might not be too much of an overpay. Which is wrong. wild. That's wrong. Go ahead. Well, 
tell me, tell me what you got. Well, first thing I want to mention is that I think uh, Drew Brees is watching this and just like rubbing his hands together. He's so excited because I think his contract goes up in 2020. So whatever happens is going to be He'll very good be, for him. Not everybody's Tom Brady and plays into their 70, though. So I, I mean, if he if... puts together a decent season, the Saints are going to give him money. Are they not? Or someone will. Someone will pay him whatever he wants. Um, if if it goes over 40 million, Jesus. Um, but so uh, we we went through a while back when I when I was a little bit upset at Mr. Roethlisberger talking about how he gets paid one eighth of the team's salaries, one eighth. Eight Roethlisberger's mm-hmm. takes up the entire salary cap for the Steelers. And you're saying that like uh, that the Dak Prescott takes up anywhere near an eighth of the Cowboys salary cap. And that makes any sense. No, he is not an eighth of that team. Baloney. It's just it's just the way it's a market value thing. It's I don't I'm not necessarily agreeing with. But let's look at. So you brought that up. Ben Roethlisberger right now. Uh, Russell gets paid. Russell Wilson gets paid thirty five million a year. Ben Roethlisberger gets paid $34 million a year. Rodgers is 33 and a half. Carson Wentz, 32. Matt Ryan's 30. I do think it's hilarious. I don't think it's that wild if Dak gets 30, and that means he's paid more than Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo. Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo. I th- might have said Matt Ryan already, but some good quarterbacks. Yeah. And – I, I think he's going to get it, L, and I don't think it's that I think, crazy. Look, I think here's the deal is like I understand why he's demanding this money because you got to go get what you got to get. But the Cowboys already offering 30 like shows me that they're not paying attention because like you're saying that he's he's worth more than all these quarterbacks. Like it seems like the goat the, the negotiation power is totally in the Cowboys hands right now. They can say, do I really think that you're Matt Ryan? Do I really think you're a Matt Stafford? Do I really think that you're but, an Aaron Rodgers? No. Well, but it's kind of not in their hands, LJ, because as we alluded to earlier, I think if they would have done this deal before April, before Russell Wilson and Wentz's deal, they would have got him, I think, at a cool maybe $27 million or even lower. The longer you wait, the, the market is just the way this quarterback things work and, and the cap rising. The market resets. Wait till Matt Ryan. He's going to sign a new deal, and he's going to get paid 35 And then Andrew Luck's well, going to sign a new deal and get 36 and it's going to keep rising up. Yeah, but you're naming and quarterbacks that are definitely better than Derek Prescott seems to be right now. He's got to Dak prove Prescott. to be better than them. Did I say Derek? <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I just care that little for his uh, his name, I guess. Well, uh, who is the right, defensive then, guy? Then the like, defensive guy just signed for the Cowboys with for the most money ever, right? Didn't they just pay Lawrence? Well, they got Tank Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence just signed like a big deal. For, I don't think it was most ever, but it was somewhere in the range of the Khalil Mack. And it, it was below those deals, but it was in the range of that. I want to say he was the highest paid Cowboy of uh, in history when he got the contract. Lawrence. I do think he signed. He broke a record cowboy wise. I just don't. The, Jerry Jones has said a couple times, and I think he's going to stick to this, which I don't think is necessarily wrong. They don't want to be market setters for any position, and I think what what Dak is trying to do is, and I understand at least trying. Why not? What the worst thing happened is they say no. He's trying to be the market setter at quarterback. Same with Zeke wants to set the market as a new running back. And Byron Jones is going to want to do the same at corner. Van Der Esch, whenever he comes up, is going to want to probably do the same at linebacker. I get it. But I also think for once, I think Jerry Jones is being smart and there's no reason to set the, set a new quarterback market with Dak Prescott. No. You're right. He he does not need to be taking up whatever you said with Big Ben, like a tenth of your An eighth, salary yeah. or more, whatever it he was. He might be shooting for a tenth. A thirtieth would probably be close to a tenth. Um well and uh, so I looked up Lawrence just real quick. I want you guys to to have the facts on the show. Um he did sign a five year deal worth hundred and five million. So 
I bet you money. I, I don't see whether that or not that's the biggest deal, but I bet it comes from the total amount of the contract versus the per year because Maybe. he's looking at about twenty million per year, which is less than any of the quarterbacks we've mentioned today. So, well, another thing to think about is look. It's kind of like the NBA salary. The salary cap in football has gone up sixty-eight million dollars in the last six years. It was one hundred and twenty million six years ago. Now it's one hundred and eighty-eight million. So, you know, with the salary cap keeping to increase like that, and I don't know, who knows with the next TV deal, I mean, there is, you know, you kind of got to think, maybe they can afford this kind of ridiculous money when each team is, I mean, when you've got a salary cap of $188 million, so if he makes, let's say, 32, 32 divided by 188 is, that's 17% of the salary cap. Now, that's, that's a little more than an eighth, because an eighth's what, Point one two five, I think, isn't it, LJ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's more than than Big Ben makes, but I don't know. It's just well, the the amounts of money are staggering to me. And I do uh, what I wanted to kind of, and I, I saw some other people. I think I saw um, Mort report uh, Chris Mortensen tweet tweet this out, and it when you see just the report that Dak turned down thirty million dollars a year, I. I don't think you you need to take that with a grain of salt because the way NFL contracts work, where sure he may have technically turned down a whatever it may have been, he may have turned down thirty million with uh, six million guaranteed total for the entire contract. Yeah, there's 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 a total there's a thing about the fine print where I think what Dak is looking for is probably a guarantee somewhere in the line of what Carson Wentz got, which is one hundred and eight million dollars and some change. Which aren't we all? Yeah, but. I'm looking but I think where he's looking podcast, at is yeah. that where yeah the Cowboys <laughs> may have offered forty million dollars a year, but they might have done the thing like when the Redskins offered uh, uh, Donovan McNabb a contract. Since I don't know if you remember that, like midseason there was this talk about do the Redskins buy into McNabb and do they really like him? And so they signed him to this extension that was like three years, seventy million. And at the time, all of us were like, oh my gosh! So the Redskins are they're going full into McNabb. And then we realized three weeks later when they cut McNabb that. There was there was like no guarantee in it, and if they cut him by a certain date, they don't pay him. They only was have that, to pay him like five. Million. Was that the Redskins? Wasn't that the Eagles? It was when he got traded to the Redskins. When he got traded to the Redskins. Redskins. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, so I just I wanted to caution people when they hear Dak turned down thirty million. It might not be the same thirty million that Carson Wentz just. It, sure. There's always there's the fine print where it just sounds like oh my god he's such a. Which either way, turning down thirty million sounds crazy, but it might have been at thirty million where if they cut him at the end of this year, that that's all he gets. Where if he doesn't of. make Super Bowl MVP, he doesn't get paid for the next six right. years or something. So, like yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that because I really was I was totally down on Dak after hearing this news. So I really appreciate you tempering that because that seems like if you're asking for an eighth of the salary cap, um, and then and then say no, I I want I want a tenth of the salary or a, a, a sixth of the salary cap. Then I think that screams to me like, oh, you never want to win a Super Bowl. Okay, cool. Right. And but I'm that's all not what's about, happening here. Yeah, and I'm all about getting the jokes off on Twitter. And the jokes are funny, like, oh, Dak wants $40 million. Yeah, me too. I want 40. And like yeah. making the jokes about it. But I think there's just more to it. And that's why I saw a clip where Dak was signing some autographs during training camp. And a bunch of fans were like, there was a bunch of fans, some of them just happy, you know, to have the star quarterback sign autographs. But then there's a bunch of fans making jokes about $40 million a year. And he just kind of giggled and laughed and handled it really well because there's just so much more going behind the scenes. And I, yeah. it just happened to get out that he turned down $30 million. And the first thing, and when you just see the, the headline, Dak Prescott turns down $30 million and wants 40 I think all of our oh, first yeah. reaction is the same as you, LJ, where you're like, yes. 40 effing million? That's yeah, what but, you think you're worth? Yeah. 
Let me let me let me uh, uh, say something to what you just said. It didn't accidentally get out that Dak turned down no. thirty million. The Cowboys organization yeah. made yeah. sure yeah. that got out in that exact that, way. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I yeah. guarantee oh, you're 100% you, right. it always the Cowboys that way. made sure. If the news story that we heard from ESPN that next afternoon was Dak turns down a contract where he has no guaranteed money, then we know that that came from the other side. Yeah, it's exactly. we definitely know where it came from. Well, and and a guy that I know, uh, Dad, you're a big fan of too, and someone I'm a huge fan. Ryan Rosillo is big on this. He had I don't think he mentioned it with this particular thing, but in general, it, he's big on when you hear this leak come out about contract stuff. Whoever it sounds worse on. You can bet you the can guarantee other the other side out. leaked it out. But <laughs> yeah. there's, the Cowboys won't say it, but some like Jerry Jones might not have personally called up like uh, the Athletic or someone from NFL Network. And but said, also, hey, I don't Rappaport. doubt that he did. I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> <sure. laughs> yeah, but it, it, there's a reason it comes out, and usually it's whatever side it benefits from that headline. Yeah, they had something to do with it getting out. So you're yeah. totally right, Dad. Yeah. I, good I point, do good wonder point. what old. Uh, what old Ezekiel Elliott's thinking in Cabo when he sees Dak for forty million a year? He's got to just they, they, running backs got to just hate it when they hear quarterbacks contract yeah. negotiations. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're looking thirty at, a year. Yeah. He, like, what? He's sitting there. He's looking at what city do I want? Like what city in Europe do I want to move to and just leave this all behind? Because I this is not going to happen. I, I just picture like Dak and Dak and Zeke are like hanging out in Cabo or FaceTiming or something, and and they're just talking about their contract extension, maybe maybe over a couple adult beverages, and and Zeke goes. Man, I just really hope I can get like forty million guaranteed or forty five. And Dak's like, "That's all you want guaranteed? I'm looking for that a year, dog. That's gonna be my salary this year." And the the, the crazy thing is, is thirty five. Like something. we talked about, thirty five is not gonna be that wild if he ends up getting it. I'd uh, be hesitant to give it, but I wouldn't. I'm not gonna be shocked if he gets it. And it's just the way the quarterback machine oh, works. I'd be yep. down on the Cowboys' future if, if he gets $35 million a year. I'm just throwing that out there. I would bet against well, him in 10 years. He may uh, – I wonder, are the Cowboys, do you think – and I don't want to get – this might be more long-winded, and I don't know if we want to get into it fully. But So a lot of these guys are, are needing contract extensions, and we've talked about it a little bit. you obviously got Zeke, who may or may not I, – I, Tony Romo actually came out today and said he thinks Zeke will play week one and this will all get resolved. Because Jerry Jones is a good businessman and takes care of his players, blah 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 blah. I but, think he's just he's just uh, being the good soldier for old Jerry Jones. Yeah, but probably uh, you got you got Zeke Elliott who he's still got two years left on his deal. It would behoove him to to come back and be really really good and be another good running back and then really demand and then sit out next year and, and demand his contract. It, Dak to prove that he's that franchise guy. If he really wants forty million, Amari Cooper wants to get paid like the franchise receiver. He thinks he is. So my, I guess my point is, there's a lot of guys who really have something to prove this year. Do you think Jerry Jones is kind of calling their bluff and saying, "Let's get all these guys for one more year and try to see if we can't get the best out of them before you give them that fat happy contract?" And maybe they kind of. I mean, that's know, a start. fantastic point, but I think what that says is the Cowboys better win it this year because yeah. Um, if they do, they're damned. And if they don't, they're damned. You know, like that's if, if they don't have the players to do it this year, they're not going to be able to afford them next year. And if they do it this year, they won't be able to afford them next year. So I know it's, it's funny. The Cowboys are actually in a spot they haven't been in in a while. And it's like, they have a lot of guys they need to pay because for once they've actually drafted pretty well. And there's, there's a lot of good linemen on this team that need to get paid. Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith and, Demarcus Lawrence, who just got paid, Byron Jones, and then the Amari Cooper worked out. Zeke and 
uh, Dak. I know Jerry Jones hadn't had to deal with this because usually we're drafting Quincy Carter and, and <laughs> you don't have to worry about paying him. But it, it's the pain of actually making smart business decisions yeah. on the draft. Uh, now yeah. he has to pay these guys. Good so point. We'll, yep. we'll see what ends up happening. I, you know, if you want to see a Cowboys game this year, if you want to pay that ticket to get into AT&T Center, do, and I you, do. Know where, do you know where to go, LJ? Do you know uh, where to I think, I think I would know. So let's see. I think I would probably Google best <sighs> ticket hosting website. Well, you have to be careful if you Google it because you, you're going to get on one of those sites that they might try to – they might try to hose you. Oh, they, yeah, they might not right. tell you what's the best deal. You yeah. don't know. You can't tell what's a good deal and what's not. So is there not. a place that I could go that would find out what's a good seat for a good well, price? <laughs> Well, it's funny you would ask because <laughs> if you go on to SeatGeek.com, our friends over at SeatGeek, they look, they're here to take oh, care of you. Oh, I should have known SeatGeek. They've been sponsoring yeah. our show for weeks. I don't know what yeah. the they hell care of you. Just like my bookie's the place to bet, SeatGeek is the place to buy tickets. And it's, <laughs> and, and it's not even close. Uh, you go on there, and they have it so easy to where if you go looking for a ticket, they'll have a, a, a red dot marks a bad deal, like like uh, Joe Joe Nichols will know it. A red mar- a red dot will mark the time when you're sitting behind that six foot five guy at the concert, or or they have the yellow dots for the tickets. They're they're pretty good. They might be a little expensive, but they're not bad seats. Then they got the green dots for this is like the 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 price you're paying is more than worth Hell the ticket deal. you're actually getting, yeah. and, and and you're getting the bang for your buck. And it just makes it easy, and you and you and you feel comfortable and confident knowing you bought this ticket that it's a, it's a good ticket. You're not just getting hosed. And right now, SeatGeek wants to help out our listeners. If you go on to SeatGeek.com and put in the promo code ACAA for Armchair All Americans, they're our partners over on the pod. If you put in ACAA, you'll get an extra twenty dollars off your first ticket. So they're twenty dollars. Not, not only are they, <laughs> oh Lord, not only. Are they making it to where you feel confident about your ticket? But they're also trying to put $20 in your pocket. They're trying to put a $20 bill in your pocket. So it's just $20 make me holla. (laughs) It is a no-brainer. You got to hop on to SeatGeek. That's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K.com. Put in the promo code A-C-A-A for armchair all. What if I put in the promo code $20 make you holler? And, and when you're doing it, when you're putting that promo code, just know that Lip is somewhere hollering. Sue is just somewhere hollering. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm, you know a guy who who's, I don't know if he's hollering, he's probably celebrating this 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 week, is uh, the guy, our guy over at uh, Clutch Sports, Rich Paul. He, um... He he won his battle pretty quickly with the NBA. Did y'all see some of the news about the so-called Rich Paul rule that the end of M- I mean, NBA I NCAA? did, but did he even have to battle? I didn't. I mean, he didn't I say a word, say, did he? And they repealed I, that deal. I heard about the repeal before I heard about the actual thing. Like I, I got yeah. a notification on my phone saying, "Oh, by the way, you don't have to have a degree or whatever to manage an athlete." Um, yeah. Based on this rule that they invented a couple days ago, so yeah. I mean, no. the NFL, the NFL backed that ass up real quick. The NBA, well, okay, well, the NBA is. I, I said NBA, and I meant the NCAA is the one. I, well, sure. We're throwing out. Oh, some, it was the NCAA? They, okay. They made the rule last week. They put in a new rule requiring agents have a four-year bachelor degree to represent a player in the NBA draft. Called by many, and it was mostly LeBron started going on Twitter saying this was the Rich Paul rule because Rich Paul has. As as you've probably heard, if if if, if you've uh, rolled your eyes like LJ, all these guys, all these guys forcing their way out of teams or or 
looking for free agency three years down the line. A lot of these big-name players are now represented by Rich Paul, who represents LeBron, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, Ben Simmons, among others. And, and he's really become kind of the crusader of NBA. I think NBA owners and teams don't like Rich Paul because he's – so far he has the players winning when it's the players versus the owners in the last couple of years. And then this rule comes out that says a guy without a bachelor's degree can't represent a player out of the NCAA. Well, that basically means most of the agents do have a degree and Rich Paul does not. So that's kind of say. like saying – that's kind of like saying Rich Paul, because his whole story is he got successful. He dropped out of college because he says he didn't have, he didn't have the money, couldn't do it, and then he was friends with LeBron, and LeBron kind of helped him learn the game. Whether it was, whether it yeah. was with just being around LeBron through all his different contract negotiations, and then realizing, well, uh, I kind of want to get into this. Make no mistake, Rich Paul is who he is because of who he oh, knows. Sure, I mean that. Period. End of conversation. LeBron helped get him where he's at, but I do think he's just a successful oh, dude. Oh, I right? think he's a smart well, guy. Don't get me wrong. He, would, wouldn't it be arguable that he, in today's NBA market, he is maybe the most successful uh, agent out there? Plus, he also is the only person that is fought against by this rule. It'd be like if the NFL tried to institute a rule that, like, uh, you can be a sports agent as long as your last name isn't Rosenhaus. Or if, like, the yeah. podcast industry tried to create a rule saying you can have a podcast if your name isn't Lutheringer. Like, this is upper echelon, like, top-tier right. greatness. Well, and so that's something I wanted to mention, and I wonder— I, I do think part of the NCAA, and I get some of this. They wanted they're they, they're trying to save the players from. We see it. We've seen it all too many times. There's recently uh, Andrew, uh, Adrian Peterson in the NFL sure. talked about it. Good point. Where these guys make a lot of money, and there's all the, the sharks start coming around, and then and they, they ask their they uncle start, to be their agent, and their uncle then sells their entire rights down the river for a Gatorade commercial, and then uses that to buy <laughs> crystal meth or something. Right. I mean, because it's just the way it works. Where these guys are. 18, 19 years old, and all of a sudden they're worth millions of dollars. It's easy for someone. People are going to try to take advantage of you, and it, and you're just not. No offense. I mean, hell, I was an idiot at eighteen. If you put a, a couple million dollars, I'm an idiot now. Sometimes, yeah, I know. You put a couple minute. million of my dollars now or eighteen. I do want someone out for my best interest, and yeah. and so I, th- I think the NCAA kind of was doing it, but it also seemed like they were coming at Rich Paul in specific. And if you're Rich Paul, especially now that this rule's been uh, appealed and and they've changed it, this is the best. I think and this is what LJ was touching on. This is the best thing that possibly could have happened to Rich yeah. Paul. Yeah. This uh, he is now. How many agents can you name? There's not a lot. I know LJ named a few, and a lot of people probably don't know. I mean, Rosenhaus is kind of a, a name he, people would know, but I don't think everyone knows who Drew Rosenhaus is. But Rich Paul is now becoming a household name as an agent. He yeah. is not a player. He's not an athlete. Right. And so if I'm, if I'm a young kid and I'm coming up, I'm like, damn, the NCAA tried to come at Rich Paul and they lost. Then I might be more willing now yeah. to sign with Rich Paul. I know, yeah. You can beat before. the entire yeah. NCAA right now. Yeah, you're right. At, it just blew on. And it was, it was funny. This came out. So the, the rule change happened, I believe late Monday or, or early Tuesday. And, and an op-ed piece for the athletic on Monday Rich Paul wrote that requiring, quote, requiring a four-year degree accomplishes only one thing, systematically excluding those who come from a world where college is unrealistic. Does anyone really believe a four-year degree is what separates an ethical person from a con artist? And then he said, let's also be clear that once the NCAA requires a four-year degree for athletes testing the waters, it's only a matter of time until this idea is socialized. 
no longer questioned and then more broadly applied. We all know how this works. Unfair policy is introduced incrementally, so people accept it because it only affects a small group. Good point. I, he's making very, good very good points. Yeah. And I think that's why he won. I think the NCAA was like, shit. We, he's got us. I mean, we're, yeah. they backtrack so fast. And at least I, I will say this. Shout out to the NCAA, not for making a shitty rule, but realizing you made a shitty rule yeah. and changing it. You know, don't just stick to your guns because you're like, we've watched Roger Goodell do it too many times. I was about to say, yeah, the NFL would decision. say, nope, nope, that's the rule. That's the rule. Yeah, you don't you don't have to dig in just because you made a stupid decision in the first place. So I, yeah. I do give them at least some credits for going, hey, we, we screwed that up. Let, let's fix it. And they fixed it. So I, I give them credit for that. But. I will say the, the devil's advocate to what he's saying about a four-year degree doesn't separate a con artist. It does separate out, though, the stupid people that shouldn't be in charge of your money a little bit. I mean, not completely, but a little bit. I'd, I'd rather have my accountant have gone to school than, uh, than not when it comes tax season. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that somebody can not figure out how to do my taxes without having gone to college for it, but it does help mm-hmm. is all I'm saying. Yeah. So I get the kind of... You have introduced me both to the the point of this rule and then also the good reason not to have this rule. And uh, I, I think they're well, both fair, but I think you're right. I think they made the right decision by backtracking. The NCA will still require uh, agents to have an MBA PA certification for a minimum of three consecutive years, maintain a professional liability insurance, and complete the NCA qualification exam and pay the required fees. So like... And Rich Paul even said this is like, I totally get if y'all want me to take a like take a class or take an exam to make sure like don't just let any Joe Blow go in there and represent like I don't need to go in there and represent Ben Simmons, even if I can talk a good game, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing once I get in that room with these owners and stuff. I'll I'll get him screwed. So I do think it makes sense to have these guys jump through some hoops and make sure they're. So is the road if you don't have a college degree, a a B.A. or, or better. Uh, then is the road to becoming an an agent for a college player means you basically have to like find a veteran player that's willing to take you on for a few years. That's basically the way to do it. You need to have some skin in the game. You got to, you got to find a way to get some skin in the game and and have some, some, a resume that shows like you're not just some guy trying to get in it. Cause there's so many that are pretty fair. Honestly, I think that, that works out pretty well to me. I agree. And I, I just think it's, we've seen so much. I do think obviously, as someone who has a degree, I think a degree means something, and I get why the NCAA was trying to put some weight to it. But it's pretty clear if you look at a lot of successful people, a, a degree doesn't it's make, not a requirement you don't have to, to have succeed. a degree to be Correct. successful. It helps. It, it can help. It helps. But it does We've seen, we seen a lot answer. of really successful people, i.e., see Jobs, Rich Paul, now. Uh, Bill I, Gates. I out tons. I heard of that guy. Bill Gates. Yeah, there's a ton of successful people that don't have a degree, and it's worked out well for them. So I don't think it's a requirement, and yeah. I think. That's where the NCAA kind of said, well, you know what? Maybe we should uh, take a take a step back. So shout out to them for at least realizing you screwed up and, and changing things. Yeah. Another topic, I wanted to get off sports for a little bit and bring this up. And I, I could see, I don't know if LJ's ever brought this up. It just seems like something LJ would bring up sure. to me. Uh, the whole thing about deep fakes. Do you know what, do you know yes. what a deep fake is? Yeah. I didn't until I heard you talk about it. And then I looked it up and it freaks me the F out. Well, so most you may. Re- so basically, just for anyone who's not quite sure, a deep fake is where people can. There's like software now where people can edit and change what someone says in a video and pull it off to create a realistic looking fake. So like they can literally have LJ on a video talking yep. and have him say something that is not what he said at all. 
but you see his lips moving and him talking and him saying it. So it looks like to the naked eye, LJ just said, I hate the Just Press Play podcast. I hate recording every time with Lifford and Kevin, and it's the most <laughs> annoying thing in my life. And it look it can look real when me and Dad will be like, well, Why? shit. What? <laughs> I thought we were pretty cool. I thought things were all right between us. Yeah. And that the software can use machine learning and 3D models of someone's face to generate a totally new video, allowing someone to change, edit, remove words coming straight out of a person's mouth on video. All they have to do is type text into this different software. And now the software is becoming more easily available through stuff like Adobe and other, other areas. And for an example, you may have seen this before and didn't realize it. Not too long ago, someone edited a video of Nancy Pelosi uh, making her appear to be drunk on video. It was totally fake. It wasn't true. They just did. They just edited it a little bit. And then there was another video Jordan Peele did of Obama. Pretty much, it was a video of Obama talking shit about Trump and and calling him some obscenities. And it was Jordan Peele did it just to show how easy it is to make this look so real. And then specifically, and I want to post this one on the website. I saw one posted by this guy named Muhammad Gillen. He's he has a YouTube channel called Control Shift Face. And he did this video of Bill Hader when Bill Hader was on uh, David Letterman a, lo- a while back ago. And he was talking about different times, like was telling a story about Tom Cruise. And he was impersonating Tom Cruise. And this guy edited the video to where every time Bill Hader went into a Tom Cruise impersonation, he changed his face right then. Like it, it, it happened. You watch it happening. It'd go it in and out. It, yes, it, it was I've nuts. Seen that one. weird. If oh, you've seen that LJ, video, it's so weird. It's it blows your mind. Nuts. And, so I guess the reason I want to bring it up is. Holy shit, this scares the piss out of me, Dad. I mean, this is crazy. I don't know. What can you trust on the internet now? Uh, nothing. 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 For one, it's it's actually two technologies, which are both really interesting in concept. Like, one of the technologies is taking, if you get enough uh, hours of audio of somebody's voice, then, uh, yeah, I think Adobe was one of the leaders in creating this part of the technology, you can then cre- recreate their voice saying anything you want because it'll eventually learn what each consonant sound is when you mix it with, you know, what if a U comes before it? and it learns all that stuff and then you can type in what you want and make it make that audio. It just creates that audio. And then the second, which is baffling how they even created is making uh, it's it's like transferring one face onto another face. Um, and so then you can put and then transferring expressions off of yet another face. So you have, uh, you know, three things you can play with. You can play with the the background and where they are and what they're wearing and how they're moving. You can play with what their face looks like and you can play with what their face is doing. And then you combine that with the ability to change the words that they're saying. And it's incredible. I mean, it's just it's mind blowing. And so one of the things I think is interesting about it is they've created like some software to try to detect deep fakes. And so the most recent batch of it I saw had like a 90% success rate, which is like really good, right? Like that's pretty spectacular. And so then when they released why they were able to detect it, then the people that make deep fakes then were able to step it up a notch and get rid of some of those problems. And so it becomes, I mean, we're, we're talking about like a lock picker situation where every time we make a better lock, they're going to make a better lock pick kit. And so, mm, um, yeah. Yeah, at some point, I mean, video evidence will be thrown out of court. I mean, I think that's where we are in life is video evidence is going to be meaningless unless you can verify when it has been edited. And I don't know how you'll be able to do that in the future. Well, and what I guess what really gets me is where this gets scary is I think, sure, it is great. And I do think there's probably really good software where like 
at the end of the day, you can tell when something's fake or not. Like we could eventually tell, but we're in such a world now with social media, and I mean, we clearly know. I mean, our president's a big, big proponent of fake news, and and yeah. there is some truth to this. Where there not, not everything you're reading on Facebook and Twitter is true. So like when we read it, we think, oh well, maybe that's not true. But when we see a video, we just assume. Oh, this is what President Trump said about white supremacists, or this is what Obama said about like anything. Yeah. And so if you can, if you can have, especially where we're got, got an election coming up, and you can make a clip go of Joe Biden saying this, which maybe he did or did not say, it could ruin this person's chance yeah. to win an election. Now, I mean, it w- you could completely muddy the water, especially what we maybe just you seen can about only trust video if it actually comes through like CNN's airwaves or something like that, right? Like maybe that's the next step is like. You actually have to have a cable subscription so you can see the debates live because if you watch highlights of the debates, who knows what they've changed? Because mm. because that machine may be able, like there might be something that can detect it. But I'm telling you, like Dad was saying with that Bill Hader thing, and yeah. and I, LJ, I, I think you were saying you've seen some. Like, go Google some deep fakes. Yeah. They are not for the naked eye. They are not easy to tell. And there's yeah. so much now, especially after these debates go on and stuff like these Democratic debates and whatever it is the little one minute and 30 second clips go on Twitter. And that's how a lot of people really kind of get, they don't watch the whole debate. They kind of gather what gets around the internet. And so now to realize that I don't know what the hell is true and not true is just scary, especially someone who I work in the media and we try to try to be trustworthy, but now I don't even know for sure what's real and fake. So I I feel like it's just more responsibility on the media. I Mm. think more than ever. Yeah. And it, and this, and this, Technology, as LJ was saying, it's not just crazy, super smart people. There's apps all over the place where you can make. I, I can go make a deep fake. It won't be as good as some of these other guys, but it's not that hard. And it's only like LJ said, as good as you keep getting detected, they're going to keep getting better at hiding it, yeah. and it's going to keep getting worse and worse. And it it just scares me. I mean, it really just it's wild. And well, and it's crazy. It means for the first time I heard about any of this technology was like years ago. And like, I've always kind of like thought that's the neatest thing because like, I've always thought like the, a couple weeks ago, right, Kevin, we had some problems with one of our audio, yours and, uh, and to fix it, it would have been nice if I could have just typed in your, uh, the, the transcript of what I kind of like heard you say through Uh some glitches. And then in that case, we could have not, we could have just sent out the episode as normal and no one would have ever known the difference. And it turns out that technology is here. It's just far scarier than useful. And, and that's what's scary about technology, I guess. Researchers yeah. have, for anyone out there, I mean, researchers have identified some clues that can indicate a video is inauthentic. If the speaker hasn't blinked for a while or if they seem slightly jerky, you actually... But they're getting better at putting those in. They're going to get yeah. better with that. Yeah. I was reading something. You can enhance the color saturation on a video of a person and uh, it's possible to detect his or her pulse from an almost invisible change in facial skin because the mismatched clips would have irregular or non-existent blood flow. So, I mean, people are really doing research on how to detect these, and the U.S. Defense Department is developing tools. But, yeah. But that's the thing is the more they announce that they say, like I I saw a thing where they talked about how, like, they could tell because if you make one of Trump and he doesn't purse his lips right before he makes a point every single time, then you start to want, like, if if never he does that, you start to wonder, is that actually Trump? Or if, like, uh, I think it was Elizabeth Warren, if she doesn't raise her eyebrows whenever she's listening to a question, there's a pretty good chance it's not actually her. 
And so, you know, they're, but, but they announced that and now people are going to say, oh, well, here's the next part of the algorithm. It's a tough battle because you want to tell the public how to detect it. But yeah. every time you tell the public how to detect it, LJ or whoever's back there doing it, they're like, oh, this is how you detect it? Well, let me fix that. That's just telling me what I need to fix. Well, and I guess the other thing to think about, though, is like we've lived in this uh, this sort of dystopia for a bit as far as still pictures go, uh, because you can't you really at this point can't tell if something's been photoshopped, right? Like it's basically yeah, not possible. A good Photoshop. You can't tell. And it really hasn't ruined the world. I wonder if video is just that much more powerful because a lot of the reasons it hasn't ruined the world is because, well, you don't have video of it. So it doesn't, I don't believe you. Um, so I don't know. I, I really don't know what the next step is because like, you know, I'm hesitant to say like, Oh, this is the, the awful technology that's going to be the worst because it always seems like we find a way to get over it. But I don't know what the next step is with this. So it's scary. Very yeah, well, scary. There are actually so there are some uses for deep fakes that can be useful. Yeah. Uh, I tons. was reading something and I guess it kind of goes off what LJ was saying, like when we had the audio issues where if if we had this stuff, we could maybe just throw in the audio and fix it. But and there's stuff like where if you've shot a whole movie and then you realize yep. one scene's wrong, they can go in and fix a scene by doing some of these deep fakes or Heaven forbid if someone were to pass away before a movie gets out, or yep. if you want to put in a scene of a like a legend that has passed away to pay homage to him, yep, you could do it with this. So there's there's some neat things that this can do. It's just, just as much neat things it can do. It's just, it does that many more scary things. Where I just think it's now, if the if the waters weren't already muddied enough on what is real and reliable information, mm-hmm. it's just going to get more muddy. And it that's what kind of throws me off and kind of. Kind of, I mean, I don't think about it all that often, but every now and then you watch one of these videos and you're just like, holy crap. I had yeah. no idea that that was fake until someone said, this is fake, by the way. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to shout out that Muhammad Gill in the YouTube channel control shift face. Cause that's kind of what he does. He, he creates some one. Cause I think, I think he thinks it's fun, but also it's, he's trying to show you like this shit's not that hard and you would have fell for it if I didn't tell you this is fake. So I think yeah. it's kind of a lot of people out there do it to warn you, like say, look, like Jordan Peele did with Obama where he was like, Look, this isn't that hard to do. Anyone yeah. can figure it out if you spend enough time on it. So just beware. Just beware that not every video you see of every political candidate or anybody on the internet saying something may or may not be true. So just well, I think everything's and, worth and questioning. It, you know what? On today. the flip side of that, the other scary thing is like next time you see somebody that uh, says something awful then like how hard is it for them to also say no no no, no that was fake that wasn't actually yeah. well yeah it's the whole, like, it's it goes the whole both like ways. every time someone tweets something stupid in, in sports oh i got hacked it's like yeah. or you were exactly just drunk, it turns probably. into the same thing yeah mm-hmm. and I, I do think in general though like i was mentioning it's worth questioning i think in general regardless of where you get the information i think it's always worth questioning everything just a little bit never just take anything for total true i mean it's always worth doing your own research I think, you know you're right sure. i you're 100 right but i will say like on a philosophical level like when do i have the time when am i gonna have true. the time to make sure that everything that i read is 100 percent accurate as opposed well, to just and i don't reading think it's it, necessarily you know? make sure everything but just if some i mean before you make a hard stance on something i think it's yeah. worth looking at both sides it's just where we get in this argument where and it's not really an argument, but whatever station you like to watch, a lot of TV and news stations have gone a hard lean one way or the other. It's worth at least listening to the other side, even if you disagree. And you might not change yeah. your mind whatsoever, whatsoever. but it's worth at least listening and questioning yeah. before just deciding something. I, think. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. I just, 
it we're getting to a point where like the the burden of truth is falling on every single person now and that's that's tough like i it, it feels like that means truth is going to disappear and it's all going to become subjective like truth is just going to be what i want it to be and what you want it to be and you know where I, th- I i think this takes us is like i think it's going to make us more go by our gut because like in political things in presidential elections especially you know, you can spin it any way you want to spin it. I mean, it depends yeah. on who's reporting the story. Are they liberal? Are they conservative? And so, honestly, when when I vote now, I vote with my gut. Who do I who do I think seems more trustworthy? Who do I feel like I like a little better more than more than their what they say, their dogma, their doctrines? Because you can spin anything any way you want to, and now yeah. you can do this deep fake stuff. So, I think. Kind of what you said. It's it going to be incumbent upon each of us to decide what is true and what is not. But that's and scary too. That's so. I scary. agree. Like the idea that like I mean we've never I, we've never had subjective tr- or objective truth, right? Like there's always been somewhat some politician for our, as long as time has been written down that's spinning something their direction, right? Like we've never had uh, just a whole era of human life where people were just telling it like it is. And so, you know, I guess this isn't a new problem, but it is like it feels it feels more pressing to me now that like how dangerous it is to just go with your gut because your gut may disagree with how things actually are. Um, I I know that there have been a number of times that we've ended up in conversations where it's just like, oh, yeah, my gut was totally wrong. Like I I hear what, you know, dad said or what Kevin said or what Hannah said or what, uh, you know, insert X person here said and uh and I can be convinced otherwise, but if you're just trusting what you want to trust, like that's confirmation bias. That's, that's a problem. Like that's, that's one of the problems with humans in general is that our gut misleads us with what we want it to tell us, you know? I mean, I think it does sometime, but you know, of course I'll go back to one of my favorite authors, Malcolm Gladwell and thin slicing, you know, typically, I think more often than not, your first instinct tends to be right depending on your education level or your experience in the field you're delving in. But um, so I don't know. That's what I lean on. And I hear you. There's sometimes I've just known I've been right about something and and then been wrong. There's no doubt that happens. But more often than not, I I feel like my gut leads me in the right direction. Whatever that gut is, you know, your your instinct, your thought process from from your knowledge. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree with that. I do. It seems like. My gut usually steers in the right way, but I I don't know. Just all the stuff with the deep fake stuff, I just thought it was fascinating and scary. Fascinating, scary in the same sense. I just I yeah. kind of wanted to just bring it's it up. It's also to you guys. amazing and awesome. Like the technological leaps yeah. that we've had to make. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's everything. It's it's the worst and the best thing. Like right, everything. Well, like Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like right. everything. It's the best and the worst. Right. Absolutely. Well, let's wrap things up with we'll get to what we're listening to. And I actually don't have a what we're listening to for this week for me, but I have a a story I read on the Internet about someone else who had an interesting oh what they were listening to for this week. So if you will, just indulge me for a little bit. There, okay. there was a Canadian hiker who says she used a Metallica <laughs> song to scare off a cougar. Yeah. Have you heard about this, LJ? I did yes. see that, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. So, 
The Vancouver woman thanked the legendary heavy metal band for saving her life after she used their song, Don't Tread on Me, to scare the cougars. She says she was walking with her eight-year-old husky hiking through the, the uh, forest, and she noticed a cougar about 50 feet in front of him. She says she yelled at the cat and tried to get it to treat, but it wouldn't, so she opened up her phone and went to the music library and found the track that she, quote, felt would be the most threatening, and she came to... A pretty decent choice going to Metallica. Yeah. And she started playing it, and when she played it and held her phone up and started waving her hands, the cougar ran away. And so she said for the rest of her hike, she played Don't Tread on Me on repeat <laughs> as she walked through and had no problems with the cougar. And I just thought that story was That's hilarious, amazing. and I yeah. had to share it with y'all if y'all hadn't heard it. Hmm. I'll have to listen to that. I'm not a great big Metallica fan, but now I got to listen to Don't Tread Just on Me. Just in case you ever run into a cougar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in case yeah. I run into a cougar. What about a bear? I mean, whenever you scare a bear away. Well, that's I think what you I went a little thought, bigger. I think you went a little heavier. Well, I wanted to ask you guys, I guess now you have Spotify, so your music library is not just like it's bigger. But in general, like if I had to ask you, Dad, right now, go what your most threatening, intimidating song on your library? Is there anything that comes to your mind or... I was thinking like Rage Against the Machines or something, maybe. Uh, yeah, probably answer. some Rage. Yeah. yeah, that would probably be some good ones. Yeah. I, the lady's Audio name slave. was D, D. Gallant, and she actually later, uh, James Hetfield later heard about the story, which is he, he's the guitarist or the singer? Uh, drummer and the guitarist. singer. Oh, is he what now? I believe he's drummer and singer, although like, you it know. Could be, could, could be. be wrong, you could be but. right. Well, he later heard about the story, got in contact with the gal, and now they're texting buddies, apparently. So nice. that's awesome into the story. I just, I couldn't believe it because I did, I was laughing story and I heard quote where she said, I was looking for the most intimidating, threatening song. And then she came across Metallica and I thought, well, you know, Metallica's probably not a bad choice. So I just, I just wanted to share that with y'all this week. Uh, correction, I thin sliced wrong. James Hatfield is lead vocalist and guitarist. So, ah. uh, just wanted to make sure that thin was slice wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, on the other hand, thin sliced more correctly than you. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. No doubt. Well, Pops, did you have a what we're listening to for you this week? Well, I, yeah, I've, I've had a couple. And, you know, because you picked a more hard rock uh, type of band uh, for your story, I'm going to go with something that I don't think I've mentioned before, but it is absolutely one of my favorite albums of all time. The Stone Temple Pilots Core. STP. Go on. STP, baby. Oh, it's a great, it's a great album. And it might scare a mountain lion away. There might be a few <laughs> songs on yeah. there that could scare a mountain lion away. Could be. Could be. So so that is my what what, what I'm is listening to. Is that Scott Wyland? Is, is, that, is that the singer's name? Uh is it was it Scott or yeah, I think it was Scott Weiland. Now he he's passed on. He has you know. relatively recently, right? In the are last we, couple of years. Uh, I don't know if I three can, years. I don't know if LJ, is LJ wrong again or can we Well, I'll look it up. I'll look it up and I'll admit it when I am. But for some reason I want to say maybe Ron Weiland, but I think you're right. I think it's Scott Weiland or Wheeland Weiland, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it could be Wheeland, so. but it is Scott, um, and he passed away yeah. in twenty fifteen. So I think it was a heroin overdose. He he had I drug problems right. his yeah. whole life. It's or, yeah. A lot of those a lot of those hard rockers definitely did for sure. All right, El, what do you got for your what we're listening to this well, week? Well, I don't want to make this a whole topic necessarily, but I've been listening to uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History because uh, I've been just trying to catch up on podcasts. And uh, I found myself absolutely 100% disagreeing with his entire premise that Pat Boone should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> In every single way. I wasn't completely with him on that either, LJ. I, I actually think I like you. he proved, he not only proved that Pat Boone shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, he proved that Taco Bell would never make it into any food Hall of Fame. 
and proved that we should really consider Elvis Presley's uh, 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 appearance in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that maybe we should, instead of spending so much time on him, spend time on the people that he took music from um, in equal part to how much he is on there. So he really he he and he not only unconvinced me of what he was trying to convince me, me, but he he also showed me that everything that he wanted to use to prove the point was in every single way wrong. So um, it just made me so, think. So wait, so you're giving a shout out to Revisionist History saying that's what you're Not listening necessarily. to. Not necessarily, I'm just you're telling also you what going, I've been listening to. That's all I'm doing. This is what I've been listening to and I disagree wholeheartedly and he's yeah. wrong. <laughs> I mean, I I do. I, I think, it, so I guess the reason that I wanted to bring it up is because I trust him so implicitly when he's not talking about music. And then he talks about music and then boom, I disagree with him completely. And so like, what am I supposed to make of that? What am I supposed to make of that? Is he the things that I'm not an expert in? Is he an idiot also? Or (laughs) am I like, am I just supposed to take the music stuff with a grain of salt? Like what's going on here? Like, I don't know that. I guess that's what I wanted to bring up. Mostly. I think what Malcolm Gladwell would ask of you is just listen to what I say and and I hope it makes you think. I really think that's the 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 avenue he's going for. I, I don't agree with everything he says, but I love listening to it. You're definitely right that that's what he'd want me to 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 get out of it, right? I think like there's I think any good uh, uh especially so scientific, but any good like nonfiction writer especially is going to be asking you to uh, just just open your mind for a second and and then find what you want to find out of it. And but I think the the scary thing to me is like if I feel like every time I listen to him do a music episode, he's an idiot. Then like maybe he's just a really charismatic, engaging just idiot. Idiot. You know? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and so but then the other thing. OK, so like just to throw out another thing I told you about, I, I, I told you guys I might bring up is uh, it could be the Dunning Kruger effect. Right. Have you guys heard of the Dunning Kruger effect? I have. I've not. You, okay. you will in a minute, though. So, you will know what he's talking about. So it is my second favorite social science term. Uh, and the way that it works is that, well, so the, the basic premise is that somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about doesn't know how badly they don't know what they're talking about and think they're really smart in it. So, like, for example, if uh, if You're not talking we about all me took just a test general, on, are you? <laughs> if, we, if we all took a test on, uh, like, say, uh, NBA trivia, right? Um, and there's a hundred questions on it. And then we're asked after we take the test, how well we think we did on said test. Well, I think you and dad would sit there and like, maybe get like, say, let's just imagine this is a really tough test and you guys get 60% of it, right? You guys would probably guess that you got about, you know, somewhere between 50 and 70% of it, right? Whereas I would probably get 10 to 15% of it, right? And since I don't know how much I'm not sure of, I'd probably feel pretty damn confident and say, I think I got like 70% right. So that's the Dunning-Kruger effect, is that your people who don't, uh, people who suck at a certain field don't know how bad they suck and they think they're better. So like Like the the less you know, the less you don't know how much you don't know kind of thing. Right. So let me say this. I thought I understood it differently, LJ. I thought it would be similar to if you ask people if they're a safe driver, you know, 85% would say, yes, I'm a safe driver when they they just can't be. 50% are not as safe. You know, you overestimate hmm. your ability. I thought that was what the Dunning-Kruger That's That's uh, not my understanding was. of it, but it's a very similar uh, field where, or uh, uh, version. I, I think it's very similar in concept because, like, the idea is, like, um, I think, like, a bad driver will definitely say, like, oh, I'm a good driver because how would they know that they're a bad driver? They're too too dumb in driving sense to know that they're a bad driver. 
is kind of well, the way I've okay. always understood it. So I guess I may have to read a little more on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we might we might okay. have to both do more research and find out that I uh, I thin sliced wrong again. But uh, <laughs> um, but no no. But, but what with, you're, the only difference we're saying right is that you're suggesting that there is some. Uh, a portion of the Dunning Kruger effect that I think I'm better at this than I really am. To yeah, begin it's like with. an it's like an anti-correlation. If you're really uh, pretty decent at, at understanding something, then you will also know that you're pretty decent at understanding it. But if you're really bad, then you're going to think that you're really good. So basically, to boil it down, stupid people think they're really smart, right? And I think we've okay. all experienced that. And so I'm wondering. Who's Dunning-Kruger affecting themselves here, me or Malcolm Gladwell? Am I telling myself that I'm like a musical expert or and and then being a complete idiot? Or is Malcolm Gladwell doing the same to himself? Like which one of us? Because we're both certain that our version of the story is correct, I think. Like he at least seems it. And I definitely know it. I'm always right. So <laughs> I was about to say, surely LJ isn't strong in his opinion. That doesn't yeah. sound like him. So, so I think I, that that's what I wonder is like, who's, who's the Dunning Kruger, uh, victim here is, is I guess my next question, but I, I don't think we have an answer to that. I don't think we have time to dissect my own brain. Um, so that's, <laughs> no, just we definitely don't have time to dissect no, the brain yeah. of LJ. We, we better wrap up now. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, right. out of time. Uh, well, I did want to, as we get out of here, uh, leave on a cool note uh, and just to kind of touch on a full circle on the story we talked about before. LJ brought up the awesome story of Damon Sheehy Gisipe. Yeah. Gisipe. Yes. Gisipe. Saw that. Yes. And, and the other day in their preseason game, he had an 80. Uh, so if anyone who doesn't remember LJ talked about as a guy who walked onto a tryout from a JUCO school, walked on basically everywhere he went, conned his way into a workout with the, uh, Alonzo Highsmith, who's the scout of the the Browns, slept in like wherever he His could, car failed, or slept in every single Fitness. step of the way. Yeah, and and then he ended up getting the tryout, got a spot on the roster at least for the preseason, and then that last game he returned a punt, eighty six yards for a touchdown, yeah. and the team went crazy. Yeah. He got mobbed in the end zone. Yeah. They gave him the game ball afterward. There's a mic'd up thing that was tweeted out that uh, we can put in the show. Oh, I haven't that seen was that just yet. incredible. Did, did, you, did you see there's one more little tidbit to that? I don't know if you heard this. What's that? I don't know. So, so something about his shoes, he didn't have the right pair of shoes, so he was wearing a pair of Odell Beckham oh shoes. <laughs> he had some OBJs on. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, okay, so like I've always, like I've heard this kind of like apocryphal story about like a job interviewer who takes half the resumes on his desk and throws them away. And then the person says, why, why do you do that? And he's like, well, I don't want unlucky people. And like, how is this guy <laughs> so unlucky that everything has slapped him in the face the whole way? And he still has made it work for him. It's incredible. That is, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Very uh, cool his story. story is, it's one that keeps getting better and better. He may, may or may not still make the team. We don't know. Their next game is on Saturday. They'll play the Colts and, We'll see what ends up happening with his career, but I know Alonzo Highsmith, who is the as we talked about one of the scouts for the the head of scouting for the the Browns, said that if Giuseppe is able to make the Browns and make the roster and make the NFL, it will be possibly the greatest story he's ever heard in his entire life yeah. when it comes to sports. So, Same, yeah, cool guy, worthless keeping up with, and, and we definitely will here. Uh, I think that'll do it for another week of this week for the Just Press Play podcast. You can find us on our website at jpppod.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. If you don't mind, rate and review us on Apple Podcast or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you get them. And make sure you're subscribing if you're not. 
And uh, guys, if if Dak Prescott can make forty million, what's Patrick Mahomes going to be asking for in his next contract? <laughs> oh boy, not even we're talking about. There's not enough money I, in Kansas I'd City. Love, I'd love to be Patrick Mahomes' agent right now as they're yeah. reading the Dak news. They're like forty. He's okay, we're thinking for seventy million a year. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I interrupt? Real, can I before we end the episode? I wanted to shout out or or throw out to our audience members that if our podcast drops off your feed over the next couple of weeks, we're making a few changes. And so if it does drop off your feed, um, if this is the last episode you've got downloaded in six months after this aired, then uh, search for us again um, because we might have moved to a different place on the iTunes store, a different place in Spotify. There, Who knows? So just keep your eye out for changes. Yeah, um, we're going through a few changes. We just don't know exactly how it's going to affect yeah. the listeners yet. So if for whatever reason, like LJ said, if for whatever reason you feel like you haven't got a JPP pod in a while or maybe something's wrong, Maybe research us, or of course, you can just reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, yeah. Reach out to us and let us know, like, bro, what's going on? And we'll help. We'll try to help you out because I mean, we want to get you yep. some more JPP pods. We're trying to see what was the what was the philosophy? Duncan Kruger. Dunning Kruger. Yeah. Dunning Kruger. Yeah. We want we want to make sure you know that we're we're full of shit and we're just trying to <laughs> make it sound good. So I'm surprised you guys didn't take the bait on my uh, my first favorite social science term, but you know <laughs> he did that's he fine. did just kind of throw that out there. What you know what they call that in the biz, LJ? That's a tease for the next episode <laughs> of the Just Press Play Pod. <laughs> Next week's <laughs> next week, LJ's favorite social term. Next week on Dragon Ball Z. All right, that'll do, that'll do it for us. We will catch you again next week, and until then, I will holler at you guys later. All peace. right, peace, peace. peace.